Are you ready for the end of the world? This is Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. Circle of family, circle of friends. Can I throw in the circle of sun? <laughs> yes, circle of sun. <laughs> the circle of nature. You are listening to Your Community Spirit on your community radio station with your community. What other community? I, I ran out of communities this time. Wake up! Wake up! And be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. You are listening to your community spirit. I said that already. Yes. <laughs> and the sun's out. It's snowy. It's icy. This has been a phenomenal winter for solar power production because of how much sun there's been. So that's been wonderful. Today happens to be the Solar Energy Industries Association's annual, I forget how many annual, but it's their annual shout out for solar. Basically, if you go on the internet, it's all over the internet, a lot of shouting out. No good? Yeah, well, we got a buzz on this microphone. Uh, how about if you go and go ahead and do the first story? <laughs> oh, you haven't got the first story. Uh, here you go. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Oh, there are twice as many solar jobs as coal jobs. Back in 2006, SolarCity was this small Bay Area solar energy startup with a handful of company uh, employees. Before long, according to CEO Lennon Riv, the company was doubling in size every year to keep up with the ferocious demand for rooftop solar systems. Today, the company has over 9,000 employees spread across 65 offices nationwide. They're busy every day designing, installing, selling solar systems. Similar stories are playing out at solar companies across the country. The U.S. solar boom is taking off at breathtaking speed. As of November 2014, the U.S. solar industry employed 173,807 people. That is up 21.8% from a year ago, according to a new survey by the Solar Foundation, a nonprofit research outfit. That's 10 times faster than job growth in the overall U.S. economy, which was just 2% over the same time period, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Yeah. Solar employment is also outsourcing job growth in the fossil fuel industry, which is pretty interesting because... The fossil fuel industry actually has been booming because of fracking. <laughs> yeah. You know. So well, solar, solar jobs actually outnumber coal mining jobs two to one and are quickly catching up to the jobs in the oil and gas extraction as well. Hmm. Now, what's behind it? Well, maybe solar is an industry that simply requires a lot of boots on the ground a 2012 University of Tennessee study found that solar employs more per people per megawatt hour of electricity than any other energy source. I mean, that's the thing. It takes a lot of work to install it. Once it's installed, you don't really need much workers. But yeah. um, it takes a lot of hands-on labor to install it. Yeah, and I like the idea of, like, jobs per kilowatt hour. You know, it's like this... These forms of energy are not just creating cleaner energy, but it's also creating more jobs per kilowatt hour. 
and it's getting to be at a competitive price to all the fossil fuels too. So it's a pretty good deal. So really, when when people when there are politicians in Illinois who are advocating for coal over solar, they're basically saying, "Well, we don't want you to have good jobs." <laughs> <laughs> that is true, huh? I never thought of that, but that is the case. Yeah. Well, we've got this mic working now. It's uh, I got to be sure to speak up. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm glad to hear that solar is doing well because we need more solar to offset some of this. Fo- well, not offset to replace some of this fossil fuels. Speaking of fossil fuels, West Virginia, which is solidly coal mining country, right? Yeah, pretty much. I, I think they have mined coal in West Virginia. I'm I mean, that's where they have all that mountaintop removal. Yeah. Where they, I mean, they literally just take the mountain off to get to the coal. <laughs> For better or worse, coal is literally in their blood. Yeah, so coal. <laughs> oh, wait, that was funny. The pollution. <laughs> just like... um. Now, in the news, West Virginia is now allowing schools to teach the truth about climate change after all. Yeah. Because basically, you know, they're, you know, coal creates the pollution that creates climate change. And so the state, which their primary industry is coal, didn't want the truth out, right? Yeah. For a little while there, it looked like West Virginia was getting ready to teach its students to doubt the overwhelmingly majority of scientists who say climate change is a real thing now maybe not yesterday out after an outcry Mm -hmm. from science education advocates the state school board reversed course now the state school board voted in december to adopt the new generation science standards a framework that 26 states including west virginia help develop for nationwide use. The standards require students to look at and analyze evidence that humans are causing global warming. But one climate skeptic on the board feels this aspect of the curriculum is misleading. So at his urging, the school board revised the standards to sow doubt about whether things are getting warmer. There's actually no scientific debate about this at all. They they are getting warmer. And whether humans are causing it. There is almost no scientific debate about this either. We almost certainly are. Now, it's, there's like 3% of scientists who are, you know, being facetious and, you know. <laughs> yeah. When the news broke that the standards had been quietly altered, it was met with a general outcry from educators inside and outside of the state as well as parents. West Virginia University's Faculty Senate voted unanimously to request that the school board reverse the changes. That's pretty interesting because, I mean, they actually worked with 26 other states to create this national (laughs) curriculum. And one guy on one school board (laughs) says, hey, you know, we should change this. Yeah, that's not how the standards are supposed to work. It's like (laughs) they describe the scientific information that they want to pass on to kids. And then a politician comes along and says, well, I don't like this part of it, so... I didn't know that's how it worked. Now, many of those who spoke up were particularly upset that the public, including the teachers that would actually teach the curriculum, didn't have a chance to weigh in. Quote, the West Virginia School Board, I should, I, I, what's a school marm voice? <laughs> the West Virginia School Board, I don't I, I have to do a Virginia school marm voice. Yeah, yeah. that's not going to work. That's a tough one. Yeah. Um, especially this, is, her name is Elizabeth Strong. So you don't mess with a teacher named 
Mrs. Strong. Yeah. Nope. She is the president of the West Virginia Science Teachers Association. The West Virginia School Board made these final changes unilaterally. The science was compromised by these modifications to the standards, specifically by casting doubt on the credibility of the evidence-based climate models and misrepresentation of trends in science when analyzing graphs dealing with temperature changes over time. Yeah. So it's like, here's a specific set of information, and then let's just put a thing here that, you know, maybe this information isn't accurate. Yeah. It's <laughs> just like... It's kind of like if they took, like, the part of the curriculum where it says the, the Earth orbits around the sun, and then they put an asterisk, like, well, maybe it doesn't. Who knows? It's <laughs> just like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so that was the quote from the president of the Science Teachers Association. Yeah, and national education groups were also not impressed. <laughs> just like... <laughs> I mean, nobody was impressed, really. <laughs> quote, they're taking the standards... Uh, they're calling it the next generation science standards, and they're changing the composition of the science to match their own personal views. Yeah, how can you change science? Isn't science like facts? Yeah, it's supposed to be. I mean, if it's actually science, I mean, this was from Minda Berbeko of the National Center for Science Education. Quote, that defeats the purpose of having standards developed by scientific advisory boards. Well, yeah, I mean, it kind of does <laughs> defeat the purpose. So the outcry, of course, had the desired effect... Not effect, but effect. Yeah. See, like, be all scientific there. <laughs> After a public comment period on Wednesday, the school board reversed course and went back to their original, unadulterated standards. Now, it doesn't say who was... Uh, you think that guy got kicked off the board pretty quick? <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, it doesn't say who he is. Uh, I mean, his name has been protected. He's anonymous so that <laughs> no one can harass him. <laughs> so now that they went back to the original, unadulterated standards... They will, it'll be open for a 30 day public comment period, and then the board will have their final vote on the matter in March. So, so, you know, whatever will happen, it'll be, you know, what's going to be used for the 2016, 2017 school year. Yeah. So hopefully they'll stick with science. You know, they had enough of an outcry this time that, uh, they'll probably just go with it. (laughs) Yeah. You don't want to muddy science with, you know, opinions. Yeah. So. All right. Well, here's some other news here. How about uh, seasonal veggies? Do you like seasonal veggies? I like veggies. I like food. <laughs> don't don't specify <laughs> like <laughs> food in general. So, well, is there an app for that? Is there an app for seasonal veggies? That would be kind of cool. It's just like so you basically have an app that you could look up what is in season now. Yeah. But so, I mean, like locally. Pretty much nothing is in season now, but you can get things at the farmer's market because people are growing in greenhouses. So I don't think it'll be completely effective. Because, I mean, you can get fresh greens all winter here now. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like, locally grown, fresh grown. I mean, you can get greens, you know, grown in California that, you know, don't have any nutrition anytime you want. But you can get local, fresh (laughs) greens. Yeah. Like, picked, like, the day before. Picked that day. (laughs) You know, and meet the person who grew and picked it. I mean... They've been in a greenhouse. They might have been warmer than you were this week. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like... Yeah. So there is actually an app that lets you solicit free hugs from strangers. Yeah. I recently saw a video of a guy in... Um, it was I couldn't tell, but it was an Arabic country um, where they kiss on both sides of the cheek. Okay? Yeah. You know, they kind of do like a dual hug where you go on both sides. Anyway, this guy put a bandana on his face, put his arms straight out, 
and a public throughway and had a sign sitting next to him. Free hugs. I trust you. That was it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, it was just this video of people just like, you know, looking and then walking up and, you know, hugging him and then he'll hug them back, you know. Yeah. And then as soon as they were done hugging, he put his arms back out, <laughs> you know. It's an interesting take on the free hugs. Yeah. So, I mean, he couldn't see them. So basically he was trusting whoever was, you know, coming up to him, you know, that they would actually give him a hug and not like... Not like attack him or something. Or anything, you know. Take I his mean, wallet. <laughs> just like, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Well, so yeah, so somebody wrote this in to Dear Umbra on grist.org and uh, she's got a good response here. We'll read a little bit of it. There's even an app that tracks your, um, how would you say it, your daily constitutionals. <laughs> that's like when you go to the bathroom, right? That's like a southern way of saying it. Yeah. But as far as I can tell, there's not actually an app that does exactly, you know, that. Now, I have seen an app that has locations of public food, mm. like, you know, apple trees or a berry thing or, you know, basically things that grow and that are at public places so you can go like you know pick an apple from a tree yeah um i forget what that's called but an app for apples <laughs> yeah just like there you go so um it was started by someone in uh los angeles where they noticed that they have been starting to plant fruit trees and so like you know where are they and so they started mapping huh. and so it's an app that's a pretty good one so this one they mentioned here in the article is seasonal foods, fruits, and veg, like veggies. <laughs> so you enter your region, and the app delivers suggestions for available produce. So like this week in the Pacific Northwest, for example, there's cabbage, leeks, mushrooms, carrots, and turnip greens. Now, that sounds like stuff, you know, that actually, like you said, you can grow just about anything in a greenhouse, but that sounds like stuff that might seasonally grow. Yeah, there. that'd be all winter stuff. And the nice thing about this um, app is... You can choose an item and you'll get nutritional information and then sometimes recipes even. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you can look up, hey, I want this. And then you could say, oh, this is pretty nutritionally good. I'll buy it. And now I, you know, figure out how to. Yeah. Then you're like, how do I cook a turnip? <laughs> yeah. It's like, um, yeah, I did. Th I made the mistake of buying a turnip recently. <laughs> and, um, well, just how I made the mistake of not looking up recipes i basically just added it to a recipe like a potato yeah and basically the whole thing tasted like turnip because <laughs> that was like a robust turnip yeah it was just like um well now you know yeah so since then i've made like um like a, a russian or ukrainian borscht like a soup like a cream soup and it was just phenomenal with turnip so yeah so, um, so, like, that's a good, it sounds like a good app. That the most robust tools that they found online were websites. Uh, there are websites like the National Resource Defense Council's Eat Local widget. It's a map based tool that, uh, that lists local foods by month and sometimes includes recipes. There's also Sustainable Table's Seasonal Food Guide. It's a state by state database with uh, links to essential food info. Epicurious gets in on the action with its seasonal ingredient map, which features your state's monthly harvest and best of all, tons of recipes. Um, the USDA does offer nutrition through the season, but it's national, so I'm pretty much useless as 
<laughs> yeah. You know, mo- I mean, you look up the national, and then you have to figure out what's in your area. Yeah. Now, yeah. there's there's, there's what, one really old app that you may have heard of. It's, it's A book? <laughs> yeah, a book. <laughs> Looking in books and uh, ask your farmer the farmers market app. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they they talk about here like CSAs, community supported agriculture. The shares will sometimes come with recipes for using the bounty in your weekly box. Like CSA, you sign up; it's a subscription, but instead of getting like a magazine, you get food. <laughs> yeah, I I signed up for a, a CSA a few years ago, and it was way too much food. I mean, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know, really good price for a lot of food um but you you know you get a lot of one thing yeah but it always came with a you know uh, a recipe for one of the things that was there yeah you know? like here's some arugula well how do i use arugula well here you go oh arugula you just eat <laughs> you just eat it <laughs> just like put it in a salad <laughs> cleans out your sinuses that's like yeah <laughs> so so yeah the farmer's market app and the CSA app. <laughs> Sometimes those it's old like, school apps are the most reliable. Yeah, just call ones. your farmer app. Yeah. <laughs> just like that. It's like, hey, how do I cook this stuff that you just handed me? It's just like, um, in other news, this 14-year-old will fix the planet before she graduates. Now, in a dream world, every kid's resume will look like Maya Penn's. Her dizzying font of accomplishments by the tender age of 14 puts us all to shame. The multi-talented wonder kind is so far, so far, an eco-fashion designer, children's book author, artist, animator, coder, public speaker, entrepreneur, philanthropist, and environmentalist. (laughs) Yeah, now this is one person, and it's one person who's 14 years old. (laughs) Hey, I was all that when I was, well... Like mid twenties, <laughs> just, <Yeah. like, laughs> just like um, she founded her eco fashion line, Maya's Ideas, when she was just eight. "Quote: I guess I've just always had an entrepreneurial spirit," she says, matter-of-factly. The can't. Well, this is even better. I mean, she's this in Georgia. Yeah. You would never think. The Canton, Georgia-based artist has spent a huge chunk of the past six years designing and handmaking clothing and accessories out of organic cotton, hemp, bamboo, and vintage silks and wools. She donates 10 to 20% of her company's profits to organizations she admires, including Live Thrive Atlanta and Captain Planet Foundation. Hmm. Captain Planet has a foundation? Uh-huh. Oh, I'll have to look into that. <laughs> yeah. And, quote, no matter how big my company gets, she says, I will always use eco-friendly materials, no matter what. And hey, it's getting there. Even uh, Samuel Jackson has one of her, you know, eco-friendly scarves. Yeah. <laughs> so now, in 2011, when she was 11 years old and had too many environmental ideas to contain them all in a clothing line, she founded her own nonprofit, Maya's Ideas for the Planet. Hmm. And among other things, she's sending eco-friendly sanitary pads to girls in developing countries. Thanks to a partnership with MedShare, an organization focusing on redistributing surplus medical supplies to those in need. She says she's actually got 5,000 ready to go for a shipment this year. Wow. Yeah, I actually had a friend, um, now I forgot what it's called. It's, it's the Venus Cup. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, she, she did like some very strenuous day of exercise with it where she was scuba diving in the water with sharks. 
Okay? Yeah. And she posted that on the internet and she said, now can I become the national spokesperson now? Cause, you know, based <laughs> on my testimony. Yeah. Of, you know, being able to use a menstrual cup swimming with sharks. Yeah. She could be the spokesperson for that. So. <laughs> Now, we don't all have to start nonprofits and design clothing lines by the time we're 14. She swears. <laughs> Her ultimate message is that you, yes, you can make a difference no matter how small. Her sincere hope is to inspire others. Of course, it's hard not to be in awe. <laughs> it's just like she, yeah, she is I mean, still 14. Yeah, she's 14. She's still. I haven't done all that, and I'm like, you know. More than 14. Yeah, I'm like. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so it's got, I mean, the article just goes on and on with some of her accomplishments. She's yeah, I mean, working she's, on children's books for the environment. She's written a couple of children's books, They're yeah. Printed on recycled paper. Uh, she get, uh, yeah, she's doing she's all this She's given three TED Talks and regularly visits schools to talk to students about environmental issues. And she's I, working on an animated series about pollinators, so the bees and the butterflies and the hummingbirds get to be superheroes. Oh, did I mention she's working on a memoir? She's 14. <laughs> because, you know, her two children's books weren't really full-on, really long books. That's her quote. Yeah. It's unclear if she actually sleeps. <laughs> but she is homeschooled. I know, I mean, I did a lot of stuff when I was a teenager. Yeah. I mean, um, now I can't think of any of it because, you know, I'm so old. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, it's a, it sounds like it gives her a good opportunity to, like, learn about things and work on these projects. Like, you know, maybe if she wants to learn about math, she can learn about accounting as she runs her own business. Well, know? actually, <laughs> when my sister was 14, she had her own horse business, and part of that was we, she led our – it was like she was head of the crew, hooked a team of horses to a wagon, and went across the state of Tennessee. Hmm. And, um, what do you call it? I was 16 or 17. And so I drove the, the van that had like the supplies and stuff, but she was too young to drive the car. Hmm. And so, you know, she decided, you know, I need to promote this. And so she drove the horses and she decided, you know, where we're going to camp and where we're going to go. And, um, our mom did come along for the trip, Hmm. but mom was just, a helper so uh, yeah yeah so i mean so you're both at achieving stuff as and that was yeah homeschooling i mean because part of it with homeschooling is if you do like you know do something you can i mean essentially everything is learning yeah i mean you know how much calculations and math you have to do to make sure we had enough money for the trip and you know interaction with people to set up speaking engagements and you know i mean yeah, practical applications. Yep. So. Yeah. I, when I was about that age, I was good at video games. <laughs> I mean, that's what I was up to. I, I mean, I was doing well in school. Well, well it says she's a coder, uh, so she, you know, probably designed her own website and stuff. Yeah. I mean. I was thinking about that. I think I was coding at that age, which back then, <laughs> back in the dark ages, you know. Yeah, MS-DOS, right? Yeah. It was, yeah, DOS and basic. Like, I made little games in basic around that time. So. It was good times. Yeah, it's inspirational. I mean, um, we just had for the sustainability committee here in town two high school students, which are required to be on the sustainability committee, one high school student. Yeah. So a couple of them came to the meeting to, you know, and they 
fired up everybody, you know. They were asking questions and people were just like, ooh, you know. So Yeah. And if you're trying to figure out how to do this, like she's got some advice. Uh, uh, the smallest action leads to the biggest changes. Just matters so much. She also says you don't have to have a ton of confidence to do everything you want to do. Go ahead and be afraid, but change will definitely come. So she was able to go out there and do it, so that gives some inspiration that we can do it too. I mean, we may, if we've got full-time jobs and all that, we may not spend as much time doing it as she does, but, you know. I mean, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're afraid to do anything because it seems so big. Yeah. But, hey, do something small. Yeah, start small. And you end up doing something big. Yeah. Right? Small things lead to big things. Yeah. Like, if you think of your... Making a snowball, it starts out as one little handful, and then you make it bigger and turn it into a snowman. It's winter. Why are you talking about <laughs> snow? <laughs> yeah. Just like, just like, um, I think a better one would be you plant a seed, and that grows into a tree. Yeah, right? there you go. <laughs> just like. <laughs> so, again, today is National Shout Out for Solar Day. If you go on the internet, um, you know, there's like the hashtag Go Solar and... Go solar. You know, Go um, solar. It's like they're trying to get people to take pictures of themselves doing solar things. And, you know, I have so many of them, I can't figure out which selfie to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, solar selfies. I'm just like, I could probably do a solar groupie, too. With Is that a word? Huh. Solar uh, groupie. Oh, yeah. It's just like... <laughs> well, solar is becoming so popular, you know, I'm sure there are solar groupies now. So today is Appreciate a Dragon Day. Like, all your dragon friends out there. And um, one thing a group of people got together is Pay It Forward Weekend. So today is the beginning of Pay It Forward Weekend. You know, understand the concept of Pay It Forward? Yeah. it's like Basically, if, do something for someone else for no reason, right? Yeah, like someone's done something good for you, and instead of paying it directly back to them, you pay it forward, and it, it spreads throughout society. I mean, the probably the best Pay It Forward story I read was... Um, Someone from Europe, when it was eating at this pizza place in a large, uh, I think it was Boston, and asked the owner if, she, you know, they could pay for some pizza for homeless people. Mm. And it caught on. I mean, he was like, that's a great idea. And so he posted a sign in the window saying, you know, there is, you know, someone paid for pizza for homeless people. And, you know, other people saw the sign and said, can I pay? Uh, yeah. And it just became this thing. And now he has, um, he serves 30 to 40 people a day. Oh, wow. And, you know, maybe not all of it people pay for, you know, maybe he pays for some of it, but most of it, he's not, you know, tremendously losing money over it. Yeah. So, um, I thought that was a good one. I don't like the ones where, like fast food, where they pay in line for the next person because mm. then people feel obligated yeah. You know, it's like the person in front of you paid for you, and then you're like, oh, well, then I should pay for the person behind me. Yeah. Then it becomes this, like, you're obligated to do it. So I like um, for fast foods where someone gives a gift card and, like, you know, $20 or $30, and then they're like, you know, someone paid for your food. Mm. It doesn't say the person in front of you. It's just somebody. Yeah. Oh, and that's then, a good you know, one. if you want to pay... And th- what happens is a lot of people then, they might not pay for the person behind them, but then they put more money on that gift card, and then it's like, you know, they tell the people to randomly give it instead uh, of... Yeah. So... It's a good deal. But 
today, man, this month has been going fast. Yeah. Must be because it was sunny. Definitely because it was a sunny month. National Nothing Day. <laughs> What's that all about? <laughs> well, it might be because tomorrow is ditch your New Year's resolution day. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, because you're... Some people probably ditched theirs already. <laughs> yep, so... Uh, 18th is Thesaurus Day. What's another word for thesaurus? I should look that up. <laughs> a random book? A random <laughs> word book? No, I don't know. What's another word for thesaurus? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I gotta look that up now. <laughs> Um, the 19th is Martin Luther King birthday, which is celebrated on the third Monday. Um, we actually have quite a few happenings. We better get to those. Yeah. Um, I did get a, a email that the hundred men can cook are looking for more cookers. They've got just over 50% of the hundred men signed up so far. This won't be till June 1st. Um, and basically it's an event where people cook food and donate the food to the public who pay to come and taste a hundred different foods. Yeah. And then the money goes to a nonprofit. And this year the money's going to, uh, this abled vet. Mm -hmm. And so it's an organization that provides, um, helping, um, what do you call it? Service dogs to, uh, you know, returning vets. Oh, that's a good deal. Yeah. So get some good food and and get to help the vets. Yep. So, so, Carbondale Community Farmer's Market coming up on Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon at the Carbondale Community High School. Also Saturday, the green, the monthly Green Earth Volunteer Day, and that's at the Oakland Preserve on North Oakland Avenue, Saturday, 9 to noon. Yeah. Also on Saturday, the Martin Luther King Celebration is having a community choir practice. It's on Saturday at 10 a.m. at Rock Hill Baptist Church at 217 East Monroe. And the practices are Saturday the 10th and Saturday the 17th. And the final rehearsal will be on Sunday, January 18th, right before the actual event. Yeah. You know. The adult literacy program has a mandatory training Saturday, January 17th and 24th at John A. Logan College. You have to go to this training to be able to help people who, you know, need to learn literacy. Yeah, and reading is such a gift. So coming up on Sunday, it's the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Community Celebration. It's Sunday at 4 p.m. at the Carbondale Civic Center. It's going to be all sorts of music, speakers. It's going to be a good time. The theme for this year's celebration is Your Vote is Your Freedom in honor of the 50th anniversary of the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Good deal. The Transphotic Playground is coming up on Tuesday at 8 p.m. at Guy Haas Interfaith Center. Movie and pizza night. Yeah, so movie and pizza. We're on the air, you guys. Yeah, we're on the air. <laughs> Just like. <laughs> movie and pizza party is coming up on uh, next Friday at 7 p.m. at Guy Haas Interfaith Center. There's still time if you go on Facebook to vote on which movie they're going to watch. And so I want to remind you that Today is shout out for Solar Day nationally and also nationally pay it forward weekend. So mark your calendars for both of those by doing things. How do you mark your calendar when it's the day of? <laughs> yeah. Just like, mark your calendar for today. Just <laughs> so you remember in the afternoon <laughs> after lunch. So the sun is out. It is below freezing, but because the sun is out, it is phenomenally nice. Oh, yeah. And it's been like that, even though we've had really cold weather, 
because the sun has been out, it's been really nice. Yeah. For power production, maybe not for, <laughs> and for suntans. Yeah. Well, and today it was a nice walk over here. So, this has been another exciting. Yes, exciting and informative. <laughs> <laughs> Half hour of your community spirit. We are on every week on Fridays. Yes. If you would like to listen to us again, yourcommunityspirit.org. Yes, and we will see you here next week on the radio.